Hello, and welcome to the Healing Dreams Project, exploring projective dream work for your health and wholeness, with hosts Billy Ortiz and Dr. Royce Fitz. I am the producer, Viviana, and today we have a special guest. Her name is Carla Blowy. She is a certified dream work facilitator, certified through the Marin Institute for Projective Dreamwork with Jeremy Taylor. She's the author of Dreaming Kevin, The Path to Healing. Since 1994, Carla has coordinated and facilitated bereavement support groups, camps, and workshops, and volunteer training for children and adults. An exceptional speaker, Carla has presented programs and workshops in person and online mm -hmm. on dreams, grief, healing, and after-death phenomena, writing a memoir and self-publishing, and served as editor-in-chief slash columnist for Living With Loss magazine. Everybody, help me welcome Carla Blowy. So glad you're here, yeah. Carla. Thank you for the Being invitation. Here. Thank you. Well, we always like to start just tell us a bit about your story about how you got into dreams and why dreams have become so important in your life. Okay. Um, well, um, I began this journey 31 years ago as a brave mother who took the road less traveled. And it turned out to be the high road because I chose the path of self-discovery and spiritual growth. And it led to healing the wounds of grief in my body, my mind, my heart, and my soul. And so when I say that I began the journey 31 years ago, I really mean that to be a significant point of the timeline in my life, which marks the death of my son, Kevin but also my awakening from the illusions that I had of death and the afterlife and my appreciation for dream work as a tool for healing. Mm. And um, that significant event of the loss of a child um, and the dreams that, uh, that came from that really became the organizing principle of my life. And it, it, it all began that day with a prophetic and a precognitive dream about him. And uh, within, you know, hours, within 12 hours, that nightmare uh, became a nightmare in the truest sense of the word. But nonetheless, it was a dream in which I was given knowledge about, you know, an event in my immediate future. And that was his death. But it was also mm -hmm. about the transition that would occur for both of us in the um, execution of our spiritual contract individually with each other and with the, the divine. And um, less than, you know, 12 hours after I had that nightmare, Kevin died in a bike truck accident in the driveway of our neighbor's home. And the nightmare had presented some of those pieces to it, but it was very archetypal and luminous. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I was devastated by it just as a nightmare because I, you know, I'd been studying dreams, but not certainly to the extent that I would have understood that. 
Right. And it was like anything I had ever experienced and its truth resonated throughout my being. And I was just overwhelmed by guilt. And so I mistakenly thought that it was a warning that I had ignored, you know, out of fear. And, um, I, you know, I suffered greatly for that misperception because I, you know, I believed I was responsible for his death, but, you know, I learned that I had to trust that in my dream world, my God would never take me where God's grace would not protect me. And so I then felt compelled to, you know, to really look at that. And I realized that my ego had written its own story and produced this nightmare uh, because I was too afraid to see the real interpretation and the prophetic message of the dream. And that was that Kevin was being called Mm -hmm. to fulfill his destiny and I was being called to pursue mine. And so living that nightmare, I was more awake than I'd ever been in my life. And it gave me this in-depth look at the status of my soul. And so that just sort of Uh, rolled into a lot of therapy and a lot of work and eventually working with other bereaved parents and being a part of support groups and such. And, and then it led to writing because I was journaling so much. Mm. And, and then uh, after I published self-published the book, dreaming Kevin, the, the path to healing, I thought, I can't possibly be the only one who yeah. knows this. And I, and I felt compelled to share and to help other bereaved parents who might've had the, the same experience. And so then that rolled into, you know, conferences and workshops. And, and then I found Jeremy and you, Billy. Oh, well, thank <laughs> you. Yes. Thank you. And, and realized that with that certification, uh, you know, that, Jeremy was teaching and I was doing it already. I just didn't know it. Mm -hmm. And I was doing it in a different way uh, in bereavement support than had been done traditionally. Um, Some of that, you know, was a a great realization. (laughs) And others of it was like, oh, this is a lot of work. Yes. Anyway, so that's the, that's it in a nutshell, I guess. Just for our listeners who may not know your complete story, I'm just wondering how old was Kevin? And if you wouldn't mind maybe sharing the some part, I mean, dreamer's choice uh, of the dream and a little bit more depth. Um, okay. Um, Kevin was five and a half years old at the time of his death. Um, there were so many... There's so many pieces of it that um, were already in play before or leading up to the nightmare. And I didn't know that, you know, until retrospect, you know, you just don't know until, you know, uh, when things are supposed to be revealed to to you, you know. And so uh, the night before the dream was um, it was unlike anything I'd ever had. And it was illustrating 
some aspects of where the accident might be, but for the most part, it, w- it was very um, archetypal in in its incense. And there were many things about it that, um, you know, I just didn't understand. There was a messenger. There was, there, there were, uh, there was a cult group that had come to take him. Uh, yeah, there were, there was a lot of pieces to it. If you want, I could certainly read an aspect, you know, part of the dream, but um, I don't, you know, know how much time you have for that. Well, what, whatever feels right for you, but go ahead, go ahead, Royce. Well, I was, I, as I'm listening to you, Carla, and also, doing what we have to do, which is to step into this, you know, I have no choice except to step into the little that you've shared and uh, the, um, uh, the, the, the overwhelming magnitude of this kind of experience. Uh, again, it's for me, it's out of the realms of my imagination. I can mm-hmm. sort of get in that direction and I cannot go there because I've never been in that uh, experience like that. Um, And hearing you describe, Carla, the the thoughtful soul searching that you experienced uh, even prior to having this nightmare, this sleeping nightmare about losing Kevin, and then the thoughtful response, reaction and response of that point on uh, is, is, um, uh, is feel, feel so heavy. And I think what I also pick up is this is not all of who you are. This is not all of who we are. Mm-hmm. And somehow the preceding stuff that happened before this nightmare and then Kevin's death and the stuff that happened after there, there is an attunement that I experience you have that you had and have that added to your ability to process in a healing way something that is beyond imaginable for any of us to to believe that we can walk a path like that and and come out Mm. well we don't ever come out to to continue in a way of healing and joy and meaning and beauty that's how this impacts the little i know impacts me with the little i know of what you've just shared Thank you for that, Royce. That really touches my heart that you are have that level of um, intuitiveness to it, and and can uh, you know certainly relate in in your own way to in an empathetic and compassionate way to it. I think that you know at the time I was thirty three years old. Um, I I had a, a eight year old and a five year old. And I was immersed in my little life and my little family. And and yet I had this part of my life uh, with dreams that I didn't talk about much because it wasn't understood, you know, or it was 
misrepresented or, oh, there she goes again, you know, she's got those crazy dreams. Mm -hmm. And so the little bit that I was doing before this was, was really um, a gift because I met a really important mentor, uh, spiritual and dream mentor at that time, who I was able to, you know, connect with almost immediately after I had the nightmare, not knowing that, you know, she was placed, she was placed there divinely. And, and, you know, just looking at all the other people that showed up in my life um, as support, that's where I, it what opened up to me in the whole dream process was about this isn't happening to me. You know, my, my perception is at the time, of course, this is, this is something that's happening to me. And the reality and the truth to that was that this is something, and it's hard for people to hear, but then I know I signed up for that was a spiritual agreement mm-hmm. among all of the players, among all of the people. And once I got that piece, I didn't understand it, but I knew it to be a truth. It's like that aha factor that we talk about, uh, you know, what in, in dream work. I know something to be true. I have that aha. I did have that aha moment and the right people were in place at the time to support me with that and say, okay, yes, yes, go with this. Because it's it was the only thing that made sense to me. Mm-hmm. You know, so the question wasn't why me? It was really why not? Why not me? Yeah. It's happening to parents all over the world. What makes me so special that it wouldn't happen to me? And so in my version of all that, I hear that there's some, that there was a calling that was, that came to me through the dreams and through the tragic loss of imagining myself as the mother having tragic loss of my five-year-old child. And I was called in order to help other, other parents Mm -hmm. and, and specifically helping other parents, bereaved parents through the through listening and paying attention to their dreams. So was that the piece that seemed as though it was your special part was to others were doing obviously doing bereavement work, but who else was working with the dreams with the bereavement work? And that is that how it felt for you? In the beginning, you mean in the beginning? Mm -hmm. In the beginning, I didn't have a clue. Yeah, no, I, I did not have a I didn't have the maturity. Um, I didn't have the bandwidth for it. None of that. It, it, it just, it just evolved uh, as the, as those people who were a part of the, a a part of the agreement showed up and then, you know, it was the next level and it was the next level. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would say that, I mean, I do remember my grief counselor, and another, um, the, well, the dream mentor and spiritual mentor, and then another spiritual mentor that at that time said, um, you know, you're going to be a teacher in this. Uh, you're, you're going to teach others. There's no doubt about it. That's, that's what this is. It, some of this is about for you. And I thought, <laughs> not me. 
Yeah. That isn't me. I, I, I can't even, I can't even remember to brush my teeth. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can't, it, it, I, I, it's a, it's a concerted effort every day to put my feet to the floor and make sure that my daughter gets off to school yeah. and that she doesn't, you know, she, that she doesn't lose us, that she doesn't lose our, our connection, our family. She's already lost so much. I mean, mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking about any of that. Right. And then as the, like I say, as those, those wonderful companions on the journey came into my life, it just evolved. And then all of a sudden I was, you know, in the middle of it. And I, I attribute, first of all, the grief counseling that I had, my grief counselor, Mary, um, I had actually worked with her five years before when my, my mother had died mm. and uh, uh, she was the first person I live in a small town, you know, she heard about it immediately. She came immediately to me and I, she was the first person I told the dream to. And I'm interested, what was her reaction? Uh, I mean, cause sometimes dreams as we know are dismissed as, as meaningless or not so great, you know, not that profound or whatever. So what, what was her reaction then? Was she accepting? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. That's yeah, good. absolutely. And she did not have uh, prior dream work, mm. you know, uh, experience. She really didn't. But she was intuitive enough and um, empathetic enough and compassionate enough to know that she knew a bit of my story anyway. Yeah. Um, to to know, oh, I've been called. Mm. I've also been called to do this, and. Uh, it, it was a profound experience to, uh, you know, to have that kind of support wow. early on. Beautiful. A lot of, I've met so many brave parents who, mm. who have not had that and they've not had, or they've not been able to connect with a, a grief counselor or a spiritual mentor who mm-hmm. is willing to go to that depth, you know, and Mary was willing to go to that depth with me. Excellent. Charlotte, one of the things I keep hearing over and over in the, in in how you are being present with all of that you are uh, is how intentional you've been for many many years, bef- even before Kevin's death. This sense of um, curiosity, this sense of wonder, in the midst of pain. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing to be in awe of, you know, a landscape or some other wonderful kind of uh, experience. What I also hear you saying, though, is that you've been in awe about life period for a long, long time. And that that seems to have been a uh, fertile ground in dream work. We sometimes talk about the alchemy. The, the, the stuff that is constantly being used to uh, bring us our version of gold, the gold mm-hmm. of life. And, and so when your mother died and, you know, you had this deep work already going with uh, your spiritual counselor or your, your grief counselor. And then this seemed in, this is a projection in my dream. This is like, I had these inklings of something else, something else, something else that the Mm -hmm. molecules kept emerging and fitting together. And then 
when this other awful event happened uh, to, to step into this and, and not with, not, not with ease and not with beauty (laughs) to step into this with all in my dream, with all of the humanness that I am to be enraged, be, be falling apart to, in a sense, emotionally, spiritually die also. And, and I gave myself permission to go there, to go there, not easily, not willingly and, and stumbling down that that awful pit and that sense of being able to stay with this fullness of my humanness also allowed me to experience levels that I had no idea in in my dream that I could even touch or experience and this is how I experience you as the dreamer in the present going through Thank you for that, Royce. Thank you. Um, you know, there's so much truth to what you just said. Um, when I when I began to do the rollback of my whole life, what an interesting phrase! Began to do the rollback. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know how powerful that sounds. Yeah, yeah. That uh, you know, it was. It was the dream piece that, you know, I realized was my anchor all along, even though I hadn't talked about that much over the years uh, until I, you know, started to dabble and was, you know, taking some workshops and stuff beforehand. But I could roll it all the way back to age three, where I I can remember that dream at age three that I believe was the the forerunner of that recognition of, you know, my, the, the recognition that there was this destiny piece for me. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I remembered that dream and was and saw that there were elements of that dream that were also a part of this nightmare, um, it it just sort of blew me away and and I didn't I didn't want to accept that in the beginning. I didn't want to accept it. But again, it was that gut level thing of wait a minute, this is the truth. This is a truth and you can't get away from that. And if there's one thing that grief does, it makes you present. Yeah. It makes you present to, to right now. And as much as, you know, I, I thought I was, I might've been, you know, living in the past of grieving what had my life that, you know, I thought I had lost. I really was present. There wasn't any future. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't see a future. It was right now. And it, so I, you know, I guess it was intentional um, on a whole nother level, but I don't, I can't say that it was conscious, you know, that I was aware of any of that. I'm a little curious about the after death phenomenon piece. 
Do you care to speak a little bit about that? Um, and I'll jump back to um, what Royce just said too. When I, the first dream that I had about Kevin was within the first 24 hours. So I'd had that nightmare where, you know, I'm, 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 uh, uh, encounter the, um, I encounter the cult woman who is trying to take my children and I, we run and the, the children and I try to get away. I think I'm back in my house. I think I'm safe again. And turns out there she is, you know, waiting in the attic for me. Um, I, 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 trying to pull up a word here. The profoundness of dreaming Kevin and knowing that it was real was half the battle because I knew that he still existed. Um, you know, 31 years later, when that, that comes up for me to know that that first dream within the first 24 hours, he still was alive in the somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I held on to that as awful and horrific as the waking nightmare was, I had that piece and I knew that was a truth. And then those dreams just keep kept coming. The visits, um, didn't know they were visits at the time. I just knew that I was having these experiences of being with him and that that our connection, our love, that unconditional love from him was still there. Our relationship still existed, some in the somewhere for him, but in the present for me. So that was half the battle, really. And it always has been. That piece is, that has been the piece that has been my anchor. Um, other bereaved parents are not, have not been as fortunate in their beginnings to have had that. I don't know why I was, I don't know. I can't explain that, but uh, when that comes for them, again, it's half the battle. It's, it's like, okay, I know this to be a truth. I know that my loved one, my child exists somewhere. Um, now, how do I get through the rest of my day? How do I get through the rest of life? And then it becomes, how do I proactively live a healthy and productive life? How can I do that? And those are challenges every day. You know, I mean, I, I couldn't imagine back then living the next 40 years like that with that deep, intense pain. And I said, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to do this. Just take me now. 
why haven't, you know, I, I don't want to be here to do this. But 31 of those 40 years has passed. And the dream work and the companions on the journey and Kevin as my spiritual coach um, has made all that happen mm. for me. Beautiful. So that afterlife phenomenon, that's, that's a big word. You know, it sounds like, but it's just a continue for me. It's just a continuation of the relationship, a continued relationship with our loved ones, metaphysical, beyond the physical, whatever we just want to call for that. Beautiful. Thank you. I hope that answered your question. I have a tendency to go on and on. So because, you know, I'm really passionate about it. So stop me (laughs) or edit, (laughs) edit, edit. No, it was perfect. Thank you. So Carla, um, would you like to share with us now um, a more recent dream that you want to work with us live and in person here on the podcast? I would. Yes, I would. Um, when I saw the, uh, the episode that you did about departed loved ones, mm-hmm. and that was back in May, uh-huh. is, and um, there was a, a series of dreams that were happening for me about um, my dear, dear uncle who was dying, and it, that uh, podcast started tripping things for me, you know, triggering things oh. for me. And, and um, anyway, he, he was 96. And back in January, I'd had um, a dream that uh, about him and my father. And then there was another dream who was also deceased, you know, who was deceased then. And then uh, another dream about my father and my mother, again, both deceased and my uncle. And so there was, again, this leading up to uh, the dream that I had about him when uh, he got sick. Back in January, he was absolutely fine. He was fine until May, really. He was having a little concerns about some heart issues. Um, But at 96, he was still driving a living a fairly active life and then all of a sudden you know so earlier in the week I had a uh, had a phone call with him and had a delightful conversation with him and but he had for the first time expressed to me this concern that he had about his his um, his health and uh, I that night I I had this dream uh, well, about a week later then he ended up ill Mm. and in the emergency room and headed for surgery for this particular heart issue and the night uh or the day of the surgery so day it was the day of the surgery i had this dream and it i titled it um the light oh the light Mm. do you want me to begin yes go ahead please I dreamed that I was paddling a small boat on a narrow canal through two buildings. 
The canal is dimly lit until the canal waters widen into a narrow river and I'm in daylight. As I'm paddling, I turn around to see what's behind me. Uncle Joe is also in the boat, seated at the back. He's having difficulty paddling, and I realize the back of the boat is sinking. He's in the water up to his thighs. I turn back to the front, and I start paddling faster to get him to the other side. There is a low bridge to my left heading to the other side. I turn back to see if he's okay, and I tell him not to worry that I'm paddling faster. The area opens up with more light and reveals giant tulips growing up out of the water. The tulips are gigantic in vivid colors of yellow, pink, red, and purple on either side of this passageway. I call back to Uncle Joe and I say, are you seeing this? The back of the boat isn't sinking as much now and he's sitting higher. He is absolutely mesmerized by the sight. His arms raised about chest high. I flash on how familiar the look on his face seems because I've seen it before. And then I remember it is the same look of awe and reverence I witnessed in him when I took him to Telluride several years ago during a fall visit. During that visit, he had asked me to stop several times so that he could get out and see the light. He was fascinated by it. He kept saying how there was just something about the air in these mountains that made the light reflect so beautifully. I was humbled to be in his presence, the presence of an artist who sees the world through a creative lens. Well, in the dream, I keep paddling, and now I'm about halfway, turning back to check on him again. He's sinking again, and the water is up to his chest now. He's still trying to paddle, but I don't see oars in his hands. I see the edge of the shore ahead, and I'm almost there, paddling hard and fast to get him to the other side. At the shoreline edge next to the end of the bridge, there is a narrow pathway or sidewalk that is dimly lit. When I wake up, I know that this is the beginning of the end. And I'm probably not going to see him again in this waking life. Mm. I'm conflicted about that because my heart wants to get on a plane and say goodbye. And I realize now that the dream was showing me my role. I'm humbled to realize that my role was to help him make this transition, to get him halfway there in the spiritual world. And I'm so happy that he was connected enough to reach me. I don't know what I'm supposed to do now, but I trust that my dreams will tell me so. Wow. And did, did I have any other dreams as the dreamer of, of my uncle? Or was this the the last dream before he passed before that yeah i i'd had uh these three two one two three dreams before that and those involved my parents my father okay um 
and and uh, my mother, then my mother and my father, and um, let's see the 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 um, two. Yeah, so there were two dreams before that. Wow. So if I could ask a couple of questions, um, as I am experiencing the dream, uh, it sounds like, and I'm, I'm not sure that as the dreamer, uh, you were describing the dream and then moved into waking life and then back into the dream, or was all of this a dream uh, from beginning to end that you read? It there was the the piece about remembering in the dream it was so like, in 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 the dream i'm remembering about telluride and yes i'm oh, remembering okay. about telluride Got, gotcha. I, and it's, okay. it's like a flash but it's like you know mm -hmm. it's this whole story right right you know, comes, comes right but, it, but in the dream i'm doing the row 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 my boat here and mm -hmm. and the memory of telluride and mm -hmm. my uncle begins and yes. a, a, a question uh, you know, in the projective work that we do, I, I'm curious about uh, Uncle Joe. Uh, how how would he be described? How do I describe him? Oh, a man of grace. He was um, our patriarch. He was my mother's oldest brother. Um, hilariously funny. An artist. Um, he was a, a graphic design artist in the 60s and 70s and a sculptor. Um, he was like a second father to me when um, my dad was, my dad was in the army and so he was gone a lot. Um, generous, kind, giving family, um, the go-to uh, very active, uh, just hilariously funny. I have to, I mean, oh my gosh. And uh, gosh, he just got the best, best health of all of his siblings. He was, you know, a brother of seven and uh, they're all gone. You know, he has one sister left. They made it to 96 and 93. It's unbelievable. Well, as I experience uh, the story of my uncle Joe, and and it's so where I go is I, as I am listening to this dream, I quite literally I'm in this flow. There's a lot of flow in the dream with the paddling and the water and and the lilies and the the flooding. Uh, it this dream for me is so easy to take literally mm -hmm. and and i do not doubt if for a second that there are literal strands in this dream for me one of the pieces though this again my projection is it's easy for me to imagine my uncle joe it's easy for me to be with him this is so easy and i'm so honored and privileged to be a part of his of, of Uncle Joe's dying process uh, that I'm called. So, so the easy is what almost trips me up mm -hmm. in, my, in my projection. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, 
how do I look in my spiritual sense? How do I look like Uncle Joe? How am I like this being that I know is Uncle Joe in the dream and is also a part of a part of me that perhaps I uh, uh, how do I say this? That I I quite I I don't quite embrace as my identity. That he is such in the waking world, so amazing. I couldn't possibly be like that. And yet, in the dream world, in the projective world, the gift is, and I get goosebumps. I am like that. I am this Uncle Joe that is both behind me as I am paddling and is also in, in, a, in a process of being aware of life in ways that I sometimes I don't see. I'll stop with that. Thank moment. you for that. I, I would say that the hit for me on that, Royce, is that um, I also started out as an artist in, you know, in uh, painting and, and creatively like that um and so he and I shared that you know we, we did share that but certainly oh could could I put myself at the level that I have him you know elevated to of uh, this oh gosh no I certainly couldn't see myself that way but the dream tells me yeah as you say if I that you know perhaps maybe there's a few aspects. Well, I can... I, I, I'm aware of how hard it is for me to say I am Uncle Joe. Yeah. And, 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 and so that would be for me a kind of a negative aha. It's like, oh, I don't want to say that. Yeah. No, I can't. He, yeah. I, be, and Uncle Joe is me in my dream. Yeah, that's the that's definitely the other layer to this and, and what what can I own about it right and Thank that you. that's the thing about the bright shadow I was listening very carefully to the adjectives to describe Joe and it's like oh he's he's full he's a man of grace he's funny he's he's you know all these really positive hugely positive projections um great heart you know the best health all this and every time that I say that about anybody in my life it's it is it's as royce is saying it's difficult sometimes for us to own the more positive qualities than to realize that the darker shadow qualities so so yeah so in my version of it uncle joe brings me a great gift where do i begin to own my creativity and my grace and my humor and all of these things uh, as much as i see it in him it's so much easier for us to see things in other people than it done for us, for me to, for us to embrace it ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, you remember this line from Jeremy, he used to say it all the time, just because it's projection doesn't mean it's not true. You yes. know, we, we project intelligence on people who are intelligent. We project mm -hmm. good sense of humor on people who are really funny, you know, so all, so all of these projections are correct, but, and true how do they live in me as well and if and if as you mentioned our podcast about uh, dreaming of departed loved ones we touched on that too is that mm -hmm. yes there is a, there's a big huge piece of it of it's a visitation dream 
my loved one has come in order to assure me that they're still okay. And then there's that other part of it. Why this dream now? Why do why I this dream now? Yes. And yes. why, why am I as Carla? Why am the, I, I the one who received the uncle Joe dream and, and see him struggling in the canoe as he sinks more and more. And it's like it, it, there's huge metaphor there about, you know, the passage of time through the, through the canal and, and the life force energy and being, um, you know, being absorbed into the, into the other world. If that, in this, in my version of it, and then all these nuances of light that change throughout the dream are very interesting as well. But I wanted to ask about tulips. Do tulips mean anything in particular to me as the dreamer? Um, no, not really. Uh, my hit on that was just that it was May and it was tulip season. You know, um, the, they were blooming around town. Um, sure. It was just a seasonal thing. And it, it struck me, uh, the time is now. It's not next spring. Right. It's not, you know, where, if they were sunflowers, I might have gone to mm, August. Sure. There's a timing piece to this. So, yeah, that's where I went with it. Well, and for me, well, too, I, tulips, sorry. just one more thing that tulips also, we have to plan ahead, plant them like, like so far ahead oh, right, before, right. before they, they bloom. And so there's some kind of piece there about timing, as you're saying, there's a timing and also allowing the, the, the something to, to break open and, and uh, bloom from, from underground. And the fact that they're so Ooh. huge, this for me, always, oh, they were yeah. like this. Yeah. So yeah. anything that's larger than life for so often in dream image, makes me think of the archetypal realm. And so I've now entered into, I'm outside of the normal size tulips. I'm into the archetypal size tulips. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, so there's something about that. Uh, it's like a death and rebirth piece because the, the bulb has to go into the ground, be buried for months before it comes out and, gives, comes us, out. and it gives us that hope for when spring you know, when, when the tulips, they don't last that long either. Their, right. their, their petals fall off pretty fast. So it's like the daffodils and the tulips come up and the hyacinths and all these little delicate flowers come up out of the ground. And they're just there briefly, you know, for mm -hmm. us to go, yay, you know, spring has sprung again, you know? So there's, yes. so there's some piece about that, about, and why they have to be so um, vivid and, and large in the dream. Yeah. yeah. And, and certainly we, I, we know in dream work that those things that are larger than life or that are that when color is really vivid and, and all of that, it's, it's, it's underscoring the importance of, you know, that moment and, and uh, it, seeing I mean, I can still see the way that light, that that light, and and mm. and and how vivid the recollection was of the Telluride moment, right? 
and, and that was fall colors then right with he was seeing the fall colors of the trees was that yes uh, it was in october yeah um september october mm -hmm. yeah so another sort of change of season but giving eternal hope because it we know it always come back you know that the leaves fall off but we know they're going to come back the next time so there's yeah. that there's that hope of resurrection and rebirth if it were my dream for both yeah. images love that love that or, writing uh, notes. so get this piece about the tulips also it captures my imagination uh, that as I am in the dream, uh, both of me, Uncle Joe and Carlo the dreamer, Royce the dreamer, that uh, as I am enraptured, captured by the beauty of the tulips, I suddenly don't sink as much. I rise again. Yeah. And I was thinking of the uh, Old Testament allusions to death. Uh, I trying to remember the scripture exactly and I can't but the the wispiness of life that, that life is but like a blade of grass in the spring and the mm. you know the harsh summer uh, yeah summer wind comes and it just dissipates and how temporary and in the dream it this feels oh yes a reminder of my temporariness in this kind of experience and in the beauty of my temporariness. And I feel buoyant for a moment. These mm -hmm. tulips, I wanted to kind of blurt out I was, as I was listening, these are like, these are like lily pads. Uh, these tulips are kind of, in my imagination, yeah. growing up out of the water. And, yeah. Yes, and, yes, they were. Yeah, they were and it's, coming and, up out of the water. And, mm -hmm. and how weird, how beautifully weird that is that in the waking world, I know where tulips come from. In the sleeping world, dream world, they just arise out of the water, out yeah. of the flood of my emotions, out of out of the the flow of the energy of life, and how this flow has the beauty and the agony of life, all all together. I'm 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 rowing, and I'm dealing with it and I'm sinking, you know, how, what a better metaphor of life is that this has all of me, all of life in one short scene. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was thinking uh, the other day about how vital it is for me to want to be fully alive all in all ways, in all ways, the the beauty and the ugliness to experience all of life in this dream reminds me of how the journey of life is to be experienced. I don't have a lot of control. Sometimes it looks like I do, and maybe I do. Other times I'm simply in the flow. I do my best to go with the flow. And, and a lot of times I have no choice the flow is beyond me and so that allows me to give in to the energy and to the flow of life to embrace this and at the same time i try to fight it or i try to control it and even that i need to give blessing to because i am 
so limited. I am so human. And there is a blessing of being fully human and fully alive and fully afraid and fully dying. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the paddling part um, for what, what was happening in my life at that time too, in the months leading up to that, that got to paddle faster. I've got to get through this. I've got to get through this. And, um, and I had been doing a lot of that um, in other aspects of my life. And, you know, you, you, you're against the current, you know, oh. just that paddling against the current. And that's how it felt in the dream too. It didn't matter how fast I was paddling. I wasn't getting us across that, you know, to the other side any faster. And, and, you know, and I'm just now, as I say it out loud, you know, recognizing that sort of that let it go thing. Come on, just, can you float? Can you just float a little bit, Carla? Can you, do you have to? Do you have to push through everything, you know, mm. just stop and sort of stop and smell the roses, but stop and see the tulips, you know, stop and see the light. <laughs> and then the fact that I was getting to experience that with, with my uncle, you know, on that deeper level, here's a piece that I want to share with you too, that came from, like I said, I didn't know what was next. I didn't know what to do next. Or whatever, but as his health declined really quickly in the next seven days, mm. um, we didn't think that we were going to even be able to talk to him because he could he could barely talk. And then the day before he died, no, two days before he died, we were able to have a FaceTime call with him. He was alert enough and conscious enough. And so, um, oh my gosh, it it was so emotional and. My husband and my daughter spoke to him first, and then I waited to go last. And um, I was—I wasn't anything that I thought ahead about what I was going to say to him, except I love you, thank you for you know for the gift you've been in my life, and and all that. I was able to get that out, and then all of a sudden, I reminded him of our trip to Telluride. And I said, I said, Uncle Joe, do you remember when we went, you know, when you came to visit and we went to Telluride and, and uh, you were fascinated by the light? And he did in that moment, he remembered. And he, he did, you know, he, he sort of brought his hand up and he said, oh, mm. and he touched his, his face. Well, he, you know, his face, but what he usually did was, was like this, like, we're Italian, so he was, you know, the, that, you know, always the hand. Even in that, he was able to bring his hand up and go, oh, yes. I rem that light was so amazing, so beautiful. And so I, I didn't plan to tell him, to remind him of that or anything, but then I realized that that was what I was supposed to do with the dream. Wow. You know, it was to remind him of that. And to and to go for the light, to to look for the light, embrace be embraced by that. Yeah. So beautiful. 
just so I, I can't help but love Uncle Joe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I need to keep talking about my projection of Uncle Joe. This is about my journey. This is about me, how amazing I am. And, and th- through, the, uh, through the, uh, the apparition of Uncle Joe, through the mirror, I see myself. And I'm imagining in my dream, and as I'm dying, Uncle Joe knows this about my lovely niece, Carla. <laughs> and that part of what I'm trying to do is to get Carla to that part of me to embrace the beauty of who I am in her own unique way. Yeah. Mm. Oh. <sighs> Beautiful. That's his parting gift to me. Yes, it's not just that I have a calling. I do have a calling to do however I do this dying process, gifting with others. I am receiving this from my Uncle Joe as well. I am yearning for this for myself as well. And Uncle Joe more perfectly shows it to me in the mirror. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's a, it's a big hit. Yeah, me too. A I got big goose- aha. It's, it's 107 outside and I have goosey bumps. <laughs> <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Well, thank, thank you, you for sharing your dream, you Carla. Calling. It feels as though if this is the time where we could bring it to an arbitrary close. Um, there's I, one last thing I wanted to say was I remember one word stuck Viviana, out. Viviana. Uh, okay. Oh, sorry, Viviana. Go ahead. No. Uh, I'm so struck with the title, The Light. Oh, The Light. Mm. And I, I, as Viviana, I am an artist. And I, I, I see the beautiful dreamer that is Carla, my friend, and I see so much beauty and light that she has created. So if this were my dream, I, yes, the most poignant part is the light. The light is in the title, the light of Telluride that I shared with my, my creative funny hilarious and insightful (laughs) graceful magnificent noble man my uncle and he saw the light there was something about the air Mm -hmm. that that the light makes it so beautiful and and this is i would see this as an opportunity for the artist inside of me that lives that resides that that vibrates that that is everything to see to see the world through that creative, magnificent, beautiful lens that that uncle, my uncle Joe, who lives inside of me and has taught me so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, in the dream, I, I'm struck with the the narrow passageway that then becomes dimly lit. Uh, the different sides of this light, and it reminds me of day and how 
our own worlds can look so different in day and then night. And it's the passage of time, uh, the moon and its inconstance and the life and rebirth, uh, death and resurrection. So it's got all of this inside this very beautiful, insightful, profound dream. I, I'm so thankful to have heard this dream. Oh, thank you. That was beautiful, Viviana. Thank you very much. Wow. Oh, um, you know, that to your point of being able to see the world differently, I know that's been ever, well, the goal since Kevin died to see it all differently. Um, and in these last couple years, it's been difficult to uh, navigate the pain and the suffering, you know, that the world is in, it, enduring right now. And um, at that time, you know, go, again, going back to what was happening in my life at that time, too, it was not just the personal things that were going on, but also the world at large, the global peace and, mm. you know, uh, Ukraine, you know, our, our country, the de device of all of that was very, very difficult to navigate and, ex and, and try to, to flip it, you know, to keep seeing it differently. Like, okay, there is a purpose. There is a reason. And, uh, right. Where's the hope? Yeah. Where's the hope? And it is in, in that light. Well, for me, this is bringing up again, the grief of our world and in our collective sense, this dream about Kevin, this dream about uncle Joe and how Viviana was holding up the beautifulness of the light. How can I have, uh, how, how can I have hope, a, you know, not a fleeting hope, authentic grounded belief that there is beauty and grace and healing as this world is suffering how can I be present in the midst of this, yeah. in the midst of the suffering, in the midst of this river of life, be present, even as I suffer, even as I yearn for healing to come? And is healing coming? I, we, I have to ask that question. Mm -hmm. and, and if I ask that question, that's okay because grace says I am fully human and I need to ask that I hurt the grief hurts the world hurts mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. wow mm, thank you all so much I, I can't help I, I maybe mm -hmm. this is too literal but merrily 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 <laughs> yeah. life is but a dream. dream I know how could we not go there <laughs> I never even that never even occurred to me. But oh, really? Um, uh, that's going in my notes. Robo, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
thank you, Viviana. That was somewhere <laughs> back there for me too. It's like, oh, this is, it's too trite to say it. And yeah. Yeah. You had the courage to say to it. So say bless, it. Yeah. bless you, just say it. I love it. Now, Billy, you get to try oh, to draw yeah. this to an arbitrary yes. close. I w- and I, I was going to open it for everybody to say their last comments, but it was the first we, thing that came to me was, um, you know, there's a bridge that shows up in the dream too, and I, I whenever oh, I hear, yes, thank you. Whenever I hear the word bridge and it's referred to in a dream, um, it's so often is talking about how do I bridge paradox in my life, because a bridge mm, I need both yes. sides. So yes. in order to, to love some, anyone in, in, our, in our lives, we understand that there will be loss. So there's this mm-hmm. grief and praise piece for me that, that comes in. Um, you know, I, I know that with Joe, he was at 96. So realistically, I know there wasn't a whole lot of time left, but boy, mm-hmm. I had that special moment of being able to remember the beauty of Telluride and, and, and then I have all these wonderful memories. Um, so there's, so we, we hold that peace and, and love in our heart, but we know that every time we love somebody, there's going to be that time where they may not be around anymore. And, and so deeply and profoundly, I, as Carla experienced that with my son, Kevin, and, and this, sense of that he's still with me he's still he as i say he's my spiritual guide on the other side and and now i'm i i'm called to help others in this position so there's something about appreciating the moment that i'm with someone to be very clear that this is i'm grieving at the moment i'm with them because mm-hmm. there that that there is that always that possibility of well one day they won't be there and and one day i won't be there so it's so there's this feeling of and i and i think that's part of the tulips is because it, it's it's a temporal kind of situation it's it's very i think i heard uh, roy say that word a lot too it's temporary and and for us to be present and i heard carla saying earlier you know i've learned presence if anything with the grief so just a reminder that it it's fleeting it's just fleeting and and just, just be present as often as we can and appreciate it. That's yeah, major. nice, nice. So, and of course, we can't uh, not think about the river sticks too. <laughs> that's the yes, going across yes, the river sticks. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. how we can. I even say I'm helping him get to the other side. So there's all of that too. So. And you as a dreamer, Carla, is there anything else you want to say finally about your dream or anything we didn't touch on? Um, We don't have time for it, but there was another, I had another dream after this one that, um, that very next night and there's so many connecting pieces to it and how it brought other people in to be able to companion him um through the trend through his final transition um it was it was just powerful it was powerful so there's there's actually four four you know dreams to this series but this is the one i wanted to you know work with you and and i appreciate that thank you very much for giving me the deeper level and 
you know, it's something that I, I always, you know, take as the facilitator too. take that approach with brave parents and, you know, you're, you're looking, you're so focused on the dream visit. Mm-hmm. So yearn to be with, you know, our, our deceased child or, or deceased loved ones. We yearn for that physical touch. We yearn for that. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's them. And you just become so focused on that, that you miss the other details in the dream where uh, th- there's other messages. There's other layers there of what is unreconciled. Why this dream now? Yes. Why this message? Why this, this uh, symbol uh, and all of that is designed to take us deeper. Yeah, wonderful. So it's a gift and it's a blessing. Yeah. I, I appreciate, you know, I'm imagining being a listener to this episode and how beautiful the descriptions are of dreams that come for health, healing, and wholeness <laughs> to, through today. And that dreams are linked. And uh, as the dreamer, I think it would be very hard for me to know which dream to choose, mm-hmm. which dream is the best mm-hmm. in this, mm-hmm. you know, podcast hour. And as uh, uh, my friend Carla has shared, she had four other dreams or, or whatever the number was. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how does one choose? And the beauty and the grace of this kind of work is that, and it, it does not feel correct however the truth is correct it doesn't matter which dream i choose because all of these are linked they they are a part of our story and they speak at all levels of who i am and all levels of our collective all the levels of who we are and and so i i know i will continue to dream uh, more and more dreams that sort of look like this and look like mm-hmm. a link. And it's like, okay, there we go. <laughs> I am in this river of life and every molecule touches another molecule and, and invites and supports and, and uh, is absorbed by all of the above. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's so, it's always just so exciting and, and, um, fulfilling for me to be among other dream workers Mm. and to feel heard to be seen you know and to be present so thank you very much lovely all of you thank you well on that note carla if someone were wanting to read your book find out more about you where can one do that um dreamingkevin.com I'm also on Facebook, uh, Carla Bloy, uh, Instagram, a little bit, not much on there. I have, um, starting up in the fall, probably in October, I'll start up again, uh, the Dreamlight Cafe for Bereaved Parents, and we'll do that on Zoom. I um, have a wonderful group that we're sort of in our summer break right now. Uh, would like to uh, expand that and have other bereaved parents join us. Um, yeah, that's how dreamingkevin.com go there. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing, sharing everything. It's been very, very powerful. Very beautiful. So 
Billy, wakeuptoyourdreams.com. That's it. Wakeuptoyourdreams.com. I've got uh, two groups that one that meets in the evening and one that meets uh, during the afternoons. Um, the calendar is up on my website. I'm also, um, I also uh, help people uh, to train to do dream work. And that's through the Rocky Mountain Institute of Projective Dream Work, also on the website. And I have started in-person groups again. I'm going to do oh, fall nice. retreat. Not, I've, Yay, we're doing them. <laughs> the fall retreat start uh, is going to be this October, the 14th through the 16th. And again, all the, and it's at Peaceful Meadow Retreat Center here in Boulder. And uh, again, all that information is on the website. Thank you. Fabulous. Thank you, Billy. And RoyceFitz.com. Tell us a little more, Dr. Royce. <laughs> oh, now I'm tongue-tied. <laughs> the, the tulips captured my words. So, well, uh, yes, please go to my website, RoyceFitz.com. I'm a spiritual counselor and dream worker and also clinical psychotherapist licensed marriage and family do all of the above uh and have for many many years so i invite you to um explore the dreams through my work as we work towards creating health healing and wholeness in individual experiences as well as our collective Royce also has an active and fun TikTok channel. I encourage <laughs> oh. you to check that out. I love your Good Prairie uh, morning. morning. I love it. And the <laughs> <laughs> you have I encourage you to visit his TikTok channel. Uh, I'm Viviana. I'm the producer of Healing Dreams Project podcast and we have a dreamer hotline that we'd love if you would like to share a dream with us please call in your dream you have about three minutes to share a dream with us the number is 720-573-9195 again 720-573-9195 and what else i'm i can be found at viviana.org. I'm a musician. That's my primary thing that I do in life, but I do love dreams. I found dreams and dove into the dreaming pool, shall we say, during <laughs> my grand pause when my career was <laughs> non-existent all of a sudden. So I found Billy online and well, the rest is history. We created the Healing Dreams project podcast a couple months ago at the beginning of this year maybe a couple months ago yeah march time is fluid yeah. march okay and if you fluid. yeah if you enjoyed the podcast and care to subscribe tell your friends find us on instagram facebook and iHeartRadio, pandora youtube we are trying to be everywhere and we love to we would love to listen uh, hear from you as well so yeah. with that we thank carla once again for joining us today and thank you for having me until next time happy dreaming thank you <laughs>